0: With us live via telephone from the West Coast is Rabbi Jason Weiner. Rabbi Weiner serves as the Senior Rabbi and Director of the Spiritual Care Department at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in L.A. A board-certified chaplain, he serves as President of the Board of Rabbis of Southern California and as a member of the Cedars-Sinai End-of-Life Committee, the Organ Donor Council, and Bioethics Committee. He's also Rabbi of Knesset Israel Synagogue in Beverlywood. Frequently serves as Scholar-in-Residence at conferences and synagogues. Rabbi Weiner is author of the brand-new book, Jewish Guide to Practical Medical Decision-Making. It's an Urim Publications release. Go to UrimPublications.com, U-R-I-M, UrimPublications.com. Again, it's called Jewish Guide to Practical Medical Decision-Making. All by Jason Weiner, welcome to JM in the AM.
1: Thank you, Malcolm. It's an honor to be with you.
0: I greatly appreciate that, and it's wonderful to have you. Why'd you write the book?
1: Oh, basically, I became a chaplain 10 years ago, and um, I hadn't expected to become a chaplain when I first got into Rabanus, and I had a lot of questions and challenges, and um, I found the work to be very profound and interesting and challenging, and I needed guidance, and as much as um, I had excellent guidance from Rabannium and friends, um, I was trying to find a place where there was, you know, a collection of all the most uh, common and... Important issues that I faced in a clear and concise way, and I was having trouble finding finding it in, 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 in exactly that format. And so, the more I looked into it, and I found excellent Svarim and there were there's there's great stuff out there, but um, I realized that I needed something that what exactly what I needed didn't exist. And so, I began to write my own notes to help myself. And as my notes became more extensive and nuanced. Um, and I started sharing them with other people, I realized it was something that I could publish.
0: Right. You know that every sub-chapter of your book can be its own book.
1: Right. Yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of issues, and I'm trying to do it in a clear you know, and user-friendly manner so I didn't go into too excessive detail, even though I tried to put a lot of that in the footnotes and the endnotes so that people who wanted extra scholarship could find it. But I was trying to do it in a way that that didn't go into too too much depth, so that it can be you know as user friendly as possible. The
0: um uh, the, the book ranges from decision making, as you would get from the title, uh, to different types of treatment, pediatrics, palliative care. You speak about prayer. You speak a lot about end of life and after death, uh, reproduction, and many other areas. I mean, there's so much here. General question, and I know that that you know we could ask this question about any of the topics that you bring up. Do you fear sometimes that we are moving so quickly that a lot of what you wrote in possibly a specific area is by now obsolete?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's a great question. I mean, definitely what I wrote about, what I chose to wrote about are the areas that I have specific experience with that right. we face in the hospitals on a regular basis. So some of the issues that are on the horizon, um, I purposely left out because I wanted this to be user-friendly. Right. Now, I mean, the great thing about publishing today is that I really just finished writing it, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, and then all of a sudden it's on the market. So, it, it's it's my goal was to keep it as as fresh and modern and contemporary as possible, and I'm going to have to, you know, a few years down the line, update it because right. things are changing. The way I tried to deal with that is that there are certain principles that we use, and a lot of those principles can be adjusted as technology advances, and so hopefully use of those principles can, can keep it, I mean, which is the Torah way, that we, we have principles from the Torah Shabalpah, and that can keep it um, relevant as technology advances. But you're right, you're right, it's advancing rapidly.
0: J.M. and the M, I'm going to ask you, by the way, to continue to gravitate toward the base of your, of your cordless phone, and I thank you for that. Everybody, right, Jason Weiner is with us live via telephone. It's an Urim Publications release. It's called Jewish Guide to Practical Medical decision-making. A couple of things caught me by surprise, frankly. I mean, you know, I, I've seen a lot, uh, especially in light of, uh, uh, you, you know, being uh, in situations where relatives of mine spent a lot of time in the hospital and then, you know, dealing with uh, a, around, you know, end-of-life issues and, and things like that. So so some of the things here, you know, were familiar to me. One of the things not familiar to me, maybe I should say thank God, but I never thought of this, is the is the issue in pediatrics, of a child's consent and treatment. In other words, I, I think the average person would think that when a child is in a hospital or in a difficult medical situation, uh, essentially his or her parents are making decisions and final decisions for them. Yet you write about just how sensitive an issue this could be in a family.
1: Yeah, it's a very challenging issue. And and you're right, often as the the parents though, in halacha, and, and sometimes, that's kind of arbitrary. The idea there is just that the parents have a better, the best interest of their child in mind and they know their children the best. But the truth is, very often in medical decision-making, and this is really why I wrote the book, and this is why your, your question is excellent, very often in decision-making, first of all, people have a hard time making decisions. Right. There's a lot of excellent research out there about how um, irrational and biased our decision-making is. And when you add to that the stress and grief, inherent in the hospitals, add to that the, the language barriers because of the medical terminology and the technology, and the, the challenges of making decisions, um, sometimes even family members aren't the best equipped to be deciding, Man. and they really need the input of rabbis, doctors, professionals to guide
0: people. I remember one time in a situation like you just you know alluded to, uh, where I went to someone and said, you know, m- make a an out of family rational decision and I will, you know, follow that advice because being, you know, so subjective often it's very hard to like you just said, to make a decision that you know that you think is right or going to be happy with. Right. Boy. Um, also there was a uh, there was something else I wanted to ask you. I asked you about the pediatrics and uh, yeah, it, it, this is <laughs> this is an area that I, I mean I'm laughing only because for many years in in multiple situations, it became an issue and one that I ended up with a very definitive opinion about years later because of the way it was handled in my family. The truth-telling, truth-telling, when painful medical information should and should not be revealed. Now, I may say to you today, based on my personal experience, that there is no lie better than the truth, and there's no better time to say it than now. Am I right or wrong?
1: Well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. There's no lie better than the truth. I mean, the truth the, the truth is is um, can be a big challenge. And in in many ways, you know, we take we have a different approach in halacha than what's uh, what's considered the norm today. But in in other ways, it's very similar. Um, it's just that our our basis for for making decisions about what to tell a patient is what's in their best best interest, what will be most therapeutic, and um, Helpful to them to know at this time. It's not based totally just on uh, principle of autonomy and making sure that they know all the details because that's their right. It's rather um, the focus is on what's what's most helpful to that patient at this time, and it can change based on different people and different families.
0: Right. Wow. It's so difficult. Like I say, I'm only I've only taken the position I have because of my experience, and it's not like yeah. I didn't have the same. You know, what you just described. Every everybody. Uh, you know goes through and it, it's such a difficult situation um you asked the question is prayer ever futile? and I have um heard of cases where very responsible rabbinic leaders I'm talking about Torah giants yeah have said to families and people, you know it is time for the prayer to stop it is time not to call for an emergency to healim session. Have you heard of that type of uh, of decision
1: yeah I mean that's that's the position of Rasul Mozaman Arbach. that's published in a number of places. It's not necessarily that prayer stops, but we we change the focus of what we're praying for and how we're praying, because there are some concerns. I mean, at a certain point, we get concerned about the amuna of people that are praying, and and their their shattered hearts. Um, on the one hand, we want to have amuna in prayer and we have amuna in Kadosh Baruch Hu. On the other hand, we we have to be careful about what we're praying for. You know, one of the things that we use in chaplaincy, and I know, Nachma I've heard that your father was one of the leaders and founders of, of chaplaincy in the United States.
0: Yeah, he was a good one. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've heard, I've heard amazing things. Thank you. So one of the things that, that we talk about, that we use with families oftentimes, is the difference between having um, hope versus expectations. Mm. And, uh, you know, I believe it's always important to have hope. P- people need hope to get them through, and hope, hope is profound and powerful. But expectations can be dangerous if we expect that something's going to happen, despite all, you know, the best medical knowledge and likelihoods, it can sometimes leave us just broken and unprepared for the challenges that inevitably arise. So we encourage people to have hope and and to pray, but at a certain point, sometimes uh, those prayers have to be couched in a way that's, you know, kind of allowing God to do what's best in God's eyes and accepting God's will.
0: Unbelievable. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are so many topics here. You do talk about in the reproductive area about genetic testing and abortion and pregnancy reduction, egg donation and surrogacy, I and mean, a lot of very, very, um, uh, you know, 2017 issues that people could read about. And uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of end of life uh, issues, and there are a lot of end of life issues, especially when it comes to deactivating ventilators and dialysis machines and cardiac defibrillators at the end of life, et cetera, et cetera, as you. Point that I'm just reading from your list of different topics and the uh, and the after death issues that a lot of people have addressed in the past. But I'm sure uh, they'll appreciate your review and your uh, again your modern uh, or up to date up to date I should say presentation on things like organ donation and uh, loss of a baby, autopsies, cremation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There is so much that you face. Those of you who are full time chaplains, even part time ones, that you know you face on a regular basis, that go on in hospitals. Many of us don't realize that if we're in good, if we're in good health, as I like to say, we've won the lottery, because uh, if one is not in good health or has a family member that's not in good health, it simply changes your life and, and adds so many difficult situations to it. Absolutely, absolutely. The book is called Jewish Guide to Practical Medical Decision Making. Rabbis got to read it. Doctors got to read it. I think most people, frankly, would find it fascinating. Anybody else specific that you had in mind when writing it?
1: Well, patients in the hospital. I mean, obviously, if it's really end of life, they're unable to read it. But patients and their um, families—I've heard great feedback from that. It's helped them to understand the issues that they're facing and to to face them in a nuanced and sensitive uh, Torah manner. How long have you been at
0: Cedar Sinai?
1: Uh, It's been nine years now.
0: Is it as prominent a medical facility as uh, as its reputation?
1: It's an absolutely incredible place. They take care of patients like. uh, in such a in such a wonderful and warm manner but also in such a scientifically um, and technologically sophisticated manner. It's really a wonderful place to be. And it's great to see a Jewish hospital that's proud to be a Jewish hospital and that guides itself on Jewish values every day.
0: Yeah, well, when we hear of someone who enjoys celebrity or prominence on the West Coast, specifically in California, uh, generally, we hear about them going to Cedar sinai so I guess its reputation does precede itself. Uh, rabbi Weiner, Big Eshakach, I thank you for joining us. Rabbi Jason Thanks. Weiner is a Senior Rabbi and Director of the Spiritual Care Department at Cedar sinai in L.A., and uh, he is author of the book, Jewish Guide to Practical Medical Decision-Making. I'm assuming uh, Urimpublications.com obviously has it. I'm assuming it's available in a whole variety of places, right?
1: Yes, yeah, on Amazon, discounted this week, actually.
0: Oh. And, uh, yeah. All right. How do you like that, folks? We could save you some money here. Go to Amazon, search Rabbi Jason Weiner, W-E-I-N-E-R, Jewish Guide to Practical Medical Decision Making. You could save some money, and you could learn a whole lot. Rabbi Wani, I hope to see you when we get out to the West Coast.
1: Thank you. I wish you much such and we should just share good news.
0: Amen. I greatly appreciate that. More coming
1: up. It's Tuesday at
0: JM in the AM.